Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for August 25th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. Oh, I'm Cameron Walsh. And on this podcast, we will talk about the Jimmy Vesey signing, uh, his selection with the New York Rangers, uh, kind of the process that went into it. We will also talk about one of the unrestricted free agents that just signed and how you can still get value that slips through the cracks, even uh, this late into the quote-unquote analytics era. Uh, Yuri Hudler signs one year, two million. Great deal for Dallas Stars. We will also talk about some of the World Cup choices with the rosters that have been coming down recently uh, that don't include guys like Taylor Hall. P.K. Subban, and we'll also probably talk about how you won't be able to score on Sweden <laughs> now that one of their not-as-good defensemen are out, and they actually are including one of the best defensemen in the league uh, that many people probably don't know about, Hampus Lindholm of the Anaheim Ducks. So we'll bounce around. Uh, we will start with Jimmy Vc. He ended the saga that everybody, I think, was pretty much over (laughs) hearing about we actually if uh, anybody had had a chance to listen to our wonderful podcast last week that we forgot to record um that was pretty much what we said we're a bit over the over the process but certainly can't yell at him for going through it yeah we had a we had a nice hour and 10 minute podcast last week and um yeah didn't record (laughs) it was not not thrilled about that <laughs> so we are recording now it says it is so well, i'm not going to be at fault this time we both are this time so we'll see how we go but i think the biggest takeaway that i have with with the vc thing is i i just think it was a little bit ludicrous to you know criticize him by some people saying he hasn't played a game, he doesn't deserve this, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, you know what? It's not about deserve. It's about the CBA. It's about he can do it, and why the hell wouldn't he do it? Because the way this setup, this league has its um, employment set up, you're under control till you're 26, 27 years old, and you don't have much say about it. And it's very unique in that regard, and not many... Uh, fields and business operate that way uh we've talked on this podcast in the past about or at least my feelings are i think everybody should be an unrestricted free agent and that includes the prospects choose where you want to go own your future and there's a hard salary cap so everybody has the same financial ramifications and i think it would work out fine it would be more fair to the players and You know, the teams that aren't as well run, you're not going to get players, and that's kind of how it should be. The salary cap makes that whole theory work. No salary cap, it turns into baseball, and that's no fun. Yeah, the the hard salary cap that everybody has to abide to is the only way that works, but that is in place. This is also not happening, but... (laughs) We can dream. We can dream. But I was just, you know, people getting upset at him. I, I, 
I had a better rant in the last podcast. <laughs> this is so far removed from that situation. I think some of the emotion has gone away. Yeah, but I mean, the the fundamental thought, though, is is right. What the problem VC had was that this was all occurring in the middle of August and it was dead. There was nothing to talk about. There was nothing going on. He was the rumor central. Why no one was talking about Yuri Hoodler, or maybe just because Jim Neal is great at these underhanded signings, but... VC, it's, it's going to be tough for VC now because he's now got to live up to this hyped up expectation purely because of when the cutoff date is for um, you know college free agents to, to be able to sign. So it does make it tough for him. Yes, and that's the thing. People are going to have bloated expectation because he was a major NHL story in the time period where he was the only NHL story. He's not going to be, well, I guess none of us really know what he's going to be, but I'm, I'm pretty confident saying he's not going to be a, a game-breaking difference maker. Probably going to be a 30 to 35-point guy, depending on his usage. And I don't necessarily trust Elaine Vigneault to give him the right usage either. Well, yeah, we can discuss that, too. Like, he chose the Rangers, and on the the magical unrecorded podcast we kind of went through the different teams that he had talked to and if they made sense i think we landed on toronto and buffalo making sense as far as he could be given some ice time and the team he's getting on the ground floor of teams that are going to be vastly improving in the very near future we talked uh, pittsburgh being probably the the best hockey situation where they don't have left-wing depth like some elite teams do with uh, Kunitz, Shiri, Scott Wilson, Haglin. Shiri and Wilson are, are no Sherlock places there, and Kunitz is probably done after this year, so there was opportunity to be had there. Even Chicago had a great is a great hockey situation for somebody to jump into if they have a spot for you. We talked about New York kind of just being like this weird talked about spot where the hockey doesn't quite make sense. The Rangers are past their window. Uh, They don't necessarily have left-wing openings for him. With um, Is Nash playing left-wing now? And that's... that. That was one of the At the very he... least, even if he's a right-winger, I think uh, Zuccarello and Kreider are taking up spots. So, I mean, they have two top six left wingers already. And it's on a team that, you know, isn't all that great. It was the allure of Broadway. Maybe so. It's the only, it's the only thing I can legitimately think of. And particularly after talking to Nick a few weeks ago, just about how Vigneault treats guys that are considered younger or inexperienced, it could be a tough gig for him. If he screws up, he's just going to get shuffled down, you know, shuffled down the, the depth chart on the on the roster. And as soon as you start to see that, I, I can certainly imagine, you know, Rangers fans and, and Rangers media, you know, radio, print, internet, getting on the kid's case for, you know, you came here, you, you came here with all this bravado, and now... Look where you are. And that all comes back to this dead month of August. 
Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that. It's just, I tweeted it out when it happened. Weird choice. I stand by that. Uh, good for the Rangers. It's a free asset. I don't fault them at all. No, I hey, just, if you're New I York, just, you gobble that up. It's just cap space. They haven't given up an asset to attain this, so well done. Boston never seemed like a good spot other than it was his hometown. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I don't have much more to add on it. I think much of what we talked about last time was was projecting kind of what made sense and what didn't, but he's made his choice since then. Alright, so it's it's all going to come down to the, you know, up to Christmas, I suppose. I guess the major point that it, for me that I would project is don't give him shit because he went this route. That's part of the CBA. He should do it. Who wouldn't do it? And um, I, I just hate those complaints. Yeah, totally agree. It's it's one of those things where you, you try to put it into a real-life perspective and I don't think I would like to have stayed at the employer I had when I started at 18 all the way through till I was 26, 27. I, I don't think I could deal with 10 years in the one place with what I do. I mean, look at Connor McDavid. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, his look alone when, he, when that card was pulled, he didn't want to go there. He's going to put on the happy face and do the right thing, and eventually over time maybe he warms up to it, but he wouldn't have chosen there. No, I have a feeling Buffalo would have been um, his big-time destination. No, I'm saying if he was a UFA, he would not not have... God, no. No, I totally and agree. Not, and not because it, it's Edmonton. It's because they're a mess. They run like shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't... I'm not taking a dig at the city. I'm taking a dig at how, how antiquated and... Um, you know, they just keep hiring the former glory guys to run it, and they're terrible at it. And I would include Chiarelli in that, because you have a look at what he did at Boston, and then obviously the move he's, he's already made in regards for going, um, getting rid of, of, of Hall for, um, is it last hey, traded He traded McDavid's best winger. Yeah, I know. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine those two together? I don't know. It's I I feel for Edmonton fans. Um, well, what do you do? You, you, it's sort of hard to vote with your feet in a market like that because you give up your season tickets. Somebody else is just going to gobble them up. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, on to another unrestricted free agent. Yuri Hudler. Mid to late August, it's like every year there's there's one of these players that kind of falls through the cracks, and Dallas is going to keep scoring goals. With the way their lineup set up, they might have to. Yes, they're they. Dallas will still be fun. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about them last year. But Dallas was fun and pretty darn good last year as well, with uh, Klingberg. Did he come out of nowhere? That yeah, last year was kind of the first year. Yeah, he made waves. Uh, Goligoski was uh, plenty good enough in their top four. 
Jason Demers, underrated. They've lost two of those guys, Goligoski, Demers. Hamius is still probably serviceable, but I don't think he's as gifted with the puck as Goligoski was, which helps, you know, that forward grouping just drive <laughs> waves of shots at the other team's net. And, and yeah, you've just you've if you're a Dallas fan, you've just got to hope that whatever they've got in their in their back six uh, is capable of just getting the puck up under some form of control to their forwards, whether it be a really good breakout pass or skating it out themselves and getting it with speed to to those forwards. That, that's all you can hope for because you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get a washing machine of results from the the goaltenders in there. You never know what's going to come out. Yeah, their goaltending situation is going to sink them, which is weird. Jim Nill's done a lot of really good things. The goalie stuff, just throwing that money at Niami and giving him term was unnecessary. You could throw the money for a year or even two, but not for, was it three years they did it for? I think so. And that's sort of where it burns. And like Windows... Windows come and go really, really quickly. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Penguins need to trade Flurry, Dallas. And it's like, well, okay. But Pittsburgh would be trading Flurry because they don't... I mean, expansion draft, yes, but shedding $5.75 is also ideal. They're not going to want to take on a bad goalie contract and return to that. Even if even if Dallas retain half of it, it's still at, at you know two point two five. It, it's still a hefty hit until you know seventeen eighteen. Yeah, it's not a rental flurry that is. Yeah, correct. So when I've heard, well, they just got to wait for a goalie to get hurt, and the team will come crawling for flurry and it's like well if he was a rental yeah i think that would make a lot of sense but not everybody can take on that extra year no that's exactly right and that's that's where it gets that's where it gets tough but man hudler he's so very consistent in producing offense and i think why a player like that would fall through the cracks is when people start using just uh, if you just look at points, I think you're going to be a little bit misled with him because he what did he have last year? He had 46 points between Calgary and Florida. He had 76 points the year before. So you're probably thinking, oh, he dropped off 30 points. He's not doing as well. But in reality, they just changed up his role. They weren't giving him as much of that ice time. No, and that's the problem. Like you, you, the numbers have always got to be taken in context, and you sit there with it, and it, it, it's like you see that drop off, and you think, "Oh my God, you, you want to stay away from him." But if you lose, you know, first or second line minutes, then your your actual output is going to drop, you do have to try and look at it in the per 60 context. Yes, exactly where I was going. This is where rate stats are very useful. 2014-15, he was at 2.57, 5v5 points per 60, which is insanely good, considering 2.0 is the first line cutoff. 
It did drop to 2.13 this year, but guess what? He still is. Still a fair Producing line. at a t- top, top line rate. And for $2 million to get something like that, I just think that's awesome. <laughs> Should I say? There's, bingo. There's not really another way to put it. That's exactly right. All right. So I'm trying to find where he ranked in the entire league last year for 5v5 per 60. And let's see. Out of players that played 500 minutes last year, he ranks 27th in the league. So, guess what? He's no slouch. He's a great addition. There's 180 top six spots in the league. Hey, you said he's 27th. 27th forward or defenseman in the league. Last year. He's generating with the time he's been given. I can only foresee that to keep going on in Dallas, even if he's on the third line. I mean, who? <laughs> look at some of the forwards they have. Well, They're going the Pittsburgh forward route there. What do you want? Would you play him in a top six, or would you just go to spread the wealth across the three lines? No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He may not play in the quote-unquote Dallas's top six, but being on their third line, he's still going to be with skilled players, and his rate stats are still going to be good, and he's going to make the most of what he's been given offensively. Yeah, exactly. And God forbid an injury happened, gee, who could bump up? Does he still play? Does he play exclusively as a center? Does he mix and match through the wings? Like... No, he was um, he was a right wing. Well, that's that's what I was just sort of trying to get my head around. But and I it... also looked, and he's done left wing as well. So just just quickly, has he has Valeri Nichushkin signed? Not yet. Right. So right now he's not under contract, not getting on the ice for the Dallas Stars right now. At this moment, you'd be correct. They have four and a half million of cap space. Yeah. So, so yeah, it should be a non-issue. I don't think Nachushkin has a ton of leverage here. No. His offensive um, RFAs don't in general, but he's, I think he's like a .33 per game player. And I know I just talked about rate stats, but I don't think his, uh, even his rate stats are all that great given the, Kind of pedigree when people talk about him, but you, you well, this is the problem. You can one point six two, so he's a third line offensive player right now. You can see why people get a little bit gaga about him. Like you can see it; it's all there, it's all good to go. It just has to happen. Well, he'll be with good line mates if he signs, and I think he eventually will. I don't think that'll be a problem. For me, I think it more comes down to him getting over the hip flexor injury and and the surgery and having you know a full off season this year to, to go ahead and, and, and get it together. That's true, too. Last year, he didn't have that summer, did he? Nope. Yeah, he didn't even play 500 minutes the year before, I don't think. No. So he's... That, I mean, that's that's the, the biggest challenge for Nichushka when it comes to any sort of contract negotiations... Um, he needs to be healthy, basically. That's that's where he's at. Yeah, he didn't even play 100 minutes the year before. That's what will happen when you tear your hip flexor. 
I um I wrote about it. I thought it I think this is a missed opportunity for for Pittsburgh at that price point. Well, that's Eric Fair. Same money as Eric Fair. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind that some team would trade a draft pick for him. Don't know what that draft pick would be. Don't really care. Considering that, that I would just be yeah. wanting the money more so than the asset back. Hudler with Malkin sounds a hell of a lot better to me than Brian Rust, even though Rust had those uh, some really nice isolated moments, uh, those big goals he scored in the playoffs. But when we're talking about a marathon of a 82-game year, I, I, is he a top six winger? I don't know. I don't. I don't tend to believe so. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, that's always fine in that regard. I just, man, Hudler Malkin, that would have been good. Could have been doable, very doable, easily done. I outlined yeah. it before the signing. It's like last year with with Matt Cullen, how he you know signed for under a mil, and you get there and think about it, and you go, surely there were other teams in a good spot that could have asked for Cullen. You know, it's a, you're right. There's one every year, and, and Hoodler was this year's uh, through the cracks guy. Picked a good, fun team. I'll give him that. No complaints on where he chose. I just think other teams should be like, what the hell are we doing here? Well, a little bit, yeah, I agree. In a league that only had something like 44, 60-point guys last year, and I talked about there being 180 top six job openings. You find a guy that's above that 2.0 ratio at even strength, you can't let him go. And for two mil, come on. Even if there are warts, you, you still take that chance. Yeah, and it's for one year. Because possession-wise, Hudler is not very good. I don't consider a liability, but he's not. He, he doesn't drive play as well as he drives the, the actual offense. Yeah, but if you pair him with somebody that does drive play, he can finish the work. Yep. You know, you can run that argument that if he's got a high shooting percentage, he doesn't generate shots because they go in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't have much more to add than... Really no, nice contract for the team. He's just got that blind spot in net. That's his problem. I don't know how he's solving that. One of those guys <laughs> is just going to have to not suck. And I, They're both signed for this year and next year. And it's taken up almost $11 million. It's a big space. It's a big chunky cap space, isn't it? It really is. But they do have defensive questions. They're going to need some of those younger guys to, to step up. I think uh, Stephen Johns is one, and I think the other, the better one, uh, Essa Lindell, from when I was doing research on every damn team in the league for that Las Vegas draft. I started learning about uh, everybody's farm system a little more than I cared to. <laughs> so I think Essa Lindell's the top defense prospect. He's going to have to eventually... Give them Step something on. on his ELC to, to help alleviate the loss of Demers and Goligoski. So maybe he does. Don't know how close he is, though. I just knew I protected him in the draft. 
That's the tough part, isn't it? So, um, you know, we actually got thrown a bone here. Got got a, a trade during the podcast. What? And it's between Florida and Arizona. You're kidding me. And it involves Dave Boland. Ha! Yeah. So, geez, I gotta find it. Basically, the the Panthers are shedding Dave Boland's salary, which is what five million. Something ridiculous. Yes. They're also okay. Three three more years at five point five million. Jesus. Okay. Well, Lawson Kraus. Remember, he was kind of the guy a lot of people talked about leading up into his draft year, the power yep. forward, and he kind of slipped down to Florida. He's also going to Arizona. Florida's getting a 2018 second-round pick and a 2017 third-round pick. And quite frankly, I like it for both sides because they're both in different spots yep. as franchises. Uh, I love it for Florida. That contract sucks. Yep. Lawson Kraus, yeah, he was, he was a first-round pick for you. But I think when we start getting out of that top ten, picking up a second and a third-round pick is probably the same odds as having him pan out. Uh, the thing for me is that it allows them cap space, and roster space. They've now got three slots left rather than just the one, um, and that 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 advantage on the cap for them is is substantial, considering that they will probably look to add out the deadline. They can now for sure. Yeah. You know what? Chicago yeah. falls out. Just trade back for for Campbell. Well, it, that's interesting thought. Because it's a one-year deal. I think because of Campbell, they're not going to fall out. Because we, we kind of were talking about them mm. maybe no, dropping in the, that division. Yeah, I think he's, he does that. save it. Um, yeah, Arizona, what do they care about the, the cap part of it? They're not even close to touching the ceiling. No, they're good. They're fine. I mean, they have phony money. Seven and, right now they have $8 million in cap space, and $7.5 million of that is being spent on Pavel Datsuk, and another $5 million is Chris Pronger. So that's pretend money. It's Monopoly money. Both those retired, quote-unquote, retired players come off the books next year. I wouldn't be so shocked to see... Arizona just buy out Boland eventually and be like, eh, whatever. And they get a maybe a prospect that plays in the NHL. Well, they get a kid that can grow with the, the with the, you know, top end prospects that they do have and, you know, might be able to get every inch out of out of Kraus that that got him drafted where he did. Love 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 this for for Florida. Because they got Huberto as an RFA next year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's his money. Boom, done. They they lose a crappy player and they get to keep 
a younger player happy for a while. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure if you gave him 5.5 million, you'd buy out some of those UFA years too. That's true. I just. It, it's funny though. Most of us think that Florida have bought all in on, on using, um, you know, advanced numbers and all those sorts of things. Right? Looks as though that's that's the case. I wonder whether this is going to give them a quick ride to the top and a Stanley Cup win, or whether it's going to give them a prolonged playoff run of 10, 12 years, you know, second second round sort of exits and, and a couple of conference finals, maybe a trip to the Cup without a Cup. And I wonder which, I wonder which way it's going to work in regards to what the fans of Florida would rather, a quick rise and a win of the Cup, or consistent... Um, enjoyment of playoff hockey over a long haul. I think it's likelier to yield that consistent playoff hockey that may win a cup. And that's that's sort of my line of thinking as well. But it'll be really interesting to see what the success threshold bar is for Florida fans when you know it's it's perfectly obvious that this uh, ownership is happy to spend. Um, whether now that they are going to spend, whether or not that'll be enough, the prolonged uh, playoff trips. Should be. They're only going to get better. Well, it's so hard to win the thing. But, you know, expectations is the... Well, my expectations, if you're a fan of a sports team, specifically in the NHL where variance and injuries and luck and all that stuff is a, a huge part of a playoff run, you can only hope your team puts themselves in the best spot to succeed. And I think Florida is well on its way to be doing that. Yep. They'll need luck. I mean, if Pittsburgh didn't win the cup last year, you couldn't really fault them. They did everything they should have done as far as the moves Rutherford made during the year. I thought they were all very good moves. They couldn't do much more, could they, really? So you, you sit there, and if they did lose, you'd be like, all right, that all made sense. It just didn't happen. Much like San Jose, it's like, what do you want them to do? <laughs> Not bring on Pollock? Oh, okay, there's... Did he play a lot? I don't even think he played that much. He, he played enough, and it's... We've said this before. It's the fringes, when you get to the pointy end of the year, it's the fringe players getting exposed that lose you the cup. Or your fringe players playing above their weight that win you the cup. That's usually the case, because... Fundamentally, the the best players on each team kind of cancel each other out. But, you know, I thought that was... um, And Arizona, with their young GM, is, I think, they'll be open to analytics and that kind of stuff. Feels that way. On the surface, it's like, oh, geez, they traded for Dave Bolton. They must not know anything. And it's like, well... They have a ton of cap space. They're trying to... They must like Kraus. So the cost of getting Kraus is this contract, and this guy will probably buy out in a year anyways. And, yeah, it doesn't put them under a cap crunch this year. And even if it did, this year doesn't matter for them anyway in their, in their push for improvement. So Yeah, know. they're not going anywhere. Who they leapfrogging? Well, nobody in that division. Because Calgary looks a lot better. Well, it helps when you're going to get some goaltending, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, Vancouver's no good, but... 
Are they better than them? I don't, probably, I don't think so. Probably on the similar... They're not on similar paths, but they're probably similar right in the now. Yeah, one's trending. One has a feeling of trending up. The other one has a feeling of plummeting south. So, yeah, got a little August trade there. See, that's why we didn't record last week. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Or not. <laughs> uh, now, we have. The World Cup is a fastly approaching. What's going on with some of these roster decisions, dude? Okay, Canada. Here's the deal with Canada. There have always been decisions they make that aren't, they don't make sense. They are allowed to do this because next man up for them is usually it's better than whatever anybody else has. So in that regard, it's a little frustrating to see them poorly manage a roster, yet not really get dinged for it. Yep. So Duncan Keith pulls out. I, I didn't even see why. I, I assume it's injury. Yeah. Could be. I mean, Jamie Ben pulled out as well, and that was for recovery from injury. So, you know end of the day he's not he's not playing so you still have pk suban sitting there like <laughs> totally being disrespected i know he's right-handed i mean can you can you explain something to me as a coach what's the obsession with the handedness when it comes to defensemen some I mean, some players can do it. Paul Martin used to always play the right side for Pittsburgh. It just depends I on the player. Players at that level, though, should be able to play either slot, surely. Like at those at the top, top end, it shouldn't really matter which side you put them on. You know, I, I'm, you know, I can only speak for me, but when I play wing, I can play either side there's some certain things that go along with it that are more advantageous in the offensive zone than they are defensively i like being on my off wing offensively sometimes you get handcuffed getting those breakout passes defensively when you're on your off wing depending on where they're put so i guess for a defenseman keeping the puck in the offensive zone if you were on your strong side it would probably be easier to get it off the boards Little things like that. Yeah. But you're also going to get one-timers being on your offside easier. But that still doesn't take into consideration that, you know, you still have a guy like Giordano. Why doesn't he get a look? I don't, I don't get... The, everything you've just said then doesn't seem like a big enough reason to say no to a guy. But they got Shea Weber probably on the top pairing, so what, know, what do I know? Adding Jay Bowmeister, I mean, come on. For real? I like Jay Bo, but he's not that level of defender anymore. No, not at all. I mean, just 
Brian Campbell would have been a better. <laughs> well, that'll never happen. No, but you know what I mean. Like there's Ooh. so many. No, you you point Letang, Suban, <laughs> T.J. Brody. Could have picked either of the Calgary guys. Funny. We, it feels but, as but back to my original in. point, like we have all these names we're listing off, and and here we are, Team USA, and Jack Johnson's on the roster, so it's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't like the Bowmeister selection, it's like, whatever, Team USA. <laughs> it's still better than that. But the, you you mentioned they lose Ben Taylor Hall. Sitting there, top five winger, left winger, regardless of country. And no, it's not a dig at Logan Couture. He's good. He led the playoffs in scoring last year, if I'm correct. I believe you're right. Or he was right there. But come on, Taylor Hall. So these these decisions are just so strange to me. But like you said, next man up for Canada is such a high bar compared to almost every other country. Unless you're Sweden and talk about their defensemen. And for now, they can do it. In 15 to 20 years, USA, they won't. Canada will have to maximize the roster. Because that under-23 team, you're starting to see young U.S. talent that's kind of coming from all over the states in non-traditional markets. For all the hate that Bettman's gotten, there's been some high-end talent coming out of these places that never would have happened. True. Austin Matthews being one prime example. Uh, I forget the one from Florida. i got to pull up this roster. I don't even know how to look. World Cup Team North America. Is that what we're going with? I think something along those lines. But there's a lot of um, good, talented American players on that roster. Eichel, Goudreau, Larkin, Austin Matthews, JT Miller to a lesser extent, Brandon Saad. I think Shane Gostaspare was the one I was thinking of. He's from Florida. Seth Jones. I mean, Jacob Truva. There's a lot, a lot to be had there, and it's weird that you know they have this under 23 team, but you add some of those young players to the actual Team USA, and that gap starts to close. And USA Hockey is is going to continue to produce pretty good players. It's just a matter of like we've always said, uh, the people up top can have a clue; they can choose the right ones. It's probably a good thing for USA Hockey that there is a disconnect between the development system and then this part of the system, if you know what I mean? Yeah, they could be so much better. But they're getting the hard part right, I think. Yeah, totally agree. So in 15 to 20 years, USA may be king dog, but that that's not the case right now. It's, it's funny how we're getting there where you know, we're discussing the fact that Canada can pretty much slot whoever they want in bloody anywhere for their back end and 
and the enforced change for Sweden makes them better. Sweden has had issue the same kind of thing that we're talking about with USA, it kind of applies to Sweden and some of their defense selections because I remember the last Olympics, didn't Hedman not make it or some Correct. crazy thing like that? Correct. So, he's on it this time. Thankfully. Their defense core, now that Cronwall, who isn't good anymore at all, like, he shouldn't you could make an argument he's been passed up on Detroit, let alone Team Sweden. He's out. Hampus Lindholm, who is probably was closer to deserving a Norris Trophy than not last year with how great he played. Like, you know, what I mean by that is getting votes for that trophy. He's like a super unknown rising star. Yep. And he's just going to be on their bottom pairing. Their top pairing could be Hedman Carlson. Should be, I would suggest. Then Larson, Jarlison. You could do Ekman, Larson, and Strawman. Yep. You could keep Hedman and, and Strawman together just for familiarity's sake if you wanted. And put Ekman, Larson with Carlson. Jeez, it's upsetting if you're a Swedish fan. Chalmerson and Lindholm, and then Ekholm is your extra. From Nashville. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> but where does Cronwall fit in there? It's like, what the hell? How does how do you get to that point and you're like, yeah, he he belongs here. I, it's the it's the bit that I don't get. I saw some people trying to justify how big a loss um, Cronwall is and um, I think they were trying to make a claim that he's he hits his exit pass at one of the highest rates in the league. So he can at least get the puck out with a pass as opposed to... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> He's not better than any of those guys. No, 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 no. I totally agree. They're, their forwards don't match Canada, but that's the best defense in the tournament, and they have the best goalie in the tournament. So that's a great starting point. Canada's got a great defense too, but you're going to be playing Shea Weber. Who is an not? Canada did an injury. I cannot believe Shea Weber was on there. Over the guy that got traded for him and Chris Letang. It's insane. I, I just I am thankful that I just watched the games without any national pride on the line for this because it would drive me nuts if I was a Canadian fan and, and I look at the game now like I do. Um, to see that get there and, you know, if this was for the Olympics or something like that for a gold medal. Um, well, it is. It is kind of no, that. No, I get that. I'm just, it's just, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, if you sit there and, and live and die via the national team's results, the roster selection is just as important as what the players actually do on the ice. But, yeah, you know, maybe we'll do a World Cup preview coming up. Something along those lines. Yeah, don't say why not. He'll probably just turn into me bashing USA. <laughs> That's probably why I want to do it. I just want to hear it. Uh, so disgusted. 
Um, I guess there's really only one more thing to talk about. It's kind of old old news. We brought it up last week. It was still old news that week. But um, Patrick Waugh resigning uh, is something that we thought he'd be that it would be good to fire him based on how not good at his job he was. <laughs> well, call it whatever you want to resign, firing, whatever. He's not going to be coaching there anymore, and I think That's a lot of those players. How they got to it, it doesn't matter. He's gone. You on Twitter, if you follow the people that do the the pass tracking and all that. They, every time they do an Avs game, they just talk about what a mess the Avs are in their own zone. And Patrick Waugh is always talking about playing, you know, maybe not word for word, but playing the right way and doing all this and that. And it's like all that talk just amounts to chaos in their own end. They just bleed shots. It's what happens when you have a coach that doesn't really have a plan. Man-on-man coverage in hockey, I don't think, is a plan. The plan is try harder. And this is the thing, though. He goes, all right, I think talent for talent, my team's good enough to beat you one-on-one when we don't have the puck. So when that fails, the players aren't trying hard enough, and he can't understand that. He can't understand how those skaters out there can't beat the players they're playing against who are all playing together. Not individually like you're asking your defenseman, well, your defensive five to do in the defensive zone. It just it doesn't work that way. And, and to me, it comes from him being a, a player in a singular position that could affect the result of a game all on his own. You just can't do that as a skater. It's just not that simple. And they they don't have, like, the worst roster in the league. No, they, they don't. do have some really... They'll be, very cl- they'll be very dangerous. They have some really nice upper end talent. I, McKinnon, Duchesne, Landis, Cog. I, I think a lot of those players they're, they're very good. Eric Johnson, yeah, he's not a worthy of that number one overall pick, but he's 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 all right. Tyson Berry's obviously very good. Farlamov, you know, he's your guy, right? From back way back when. Yeah, I still think you could be a good goalie if you're only playing 55 games and you actually don't have him get shelled from all over the place. That's probably the big thing for me. I mean, he's the only reason that they had that breakout year and then it all fell apart. But while he used to alienate his better players, it goes back to blaming your best players isn't always the best approach. No. Especially when you're the reason for a lot of the chaos that's going on. Just just out of curiosity, does it feel like the NHL is more about ego management than it is about teaching the players stuff by the time they get into the NHL? Hmm. It's probably one of those case-by-case things. Yeah, because, I mean, I... I just don't. I just don't know what. I just don't get what Ra was attempting to do in in, in that situation. And, and it, it's like he obviously, you know, he's always known for being a bit of a prick as a player to his teammates, to everybody he played against, and that was a part of what made him a great player. But you have to manage people as a coach. That's just the reality of it. You've got you know twenty five guys that you're going to deal with 
if you're lucky through the year, if you you have a good run with injuries, and and you've got to try and make sure that they're all happy, and you you've got to make sure that they all understand what you're asking for. And you're right. Whenever you see those tweets from the guys that are doing the tracking, nobody on the ice knows what Patrick Wilde wanted them to do. Not consistently. No. So. Well, here's the other part of that. Wa is gone. That should be an improvement, but they've yet to make their next hire, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what type of coach they go for because it will probably show where what Joe Sackick thinks of, one, the team, and two, the direction the team has to go in. Sort of. I mean, it is a weird time this late into the offseason. There's not exactly a, a plethora of options here. No, I agree with that, but you don't want to get there and, for want of a way to look at it, grab a Tortorella-style coach and lock him down for five years. I've heard names like Scott Arneal, who used to coach Columbus, uh, Paul McLean, the Walrus. Uh, See, I don't think of him as the Walrus. I think of him as the Boog Man. Oh. (laughs) If they hire Paul McLean, they can have his uh, stunt double hit the games too. Exactly. I reckon, you know, I reckon the Paul McLean hire would be a good one, to be honest. It would be better. Low bar, but... I was going to say, better. <laughs> the way we feel about that man, it, it wouldn't be a difficult difficult uh, job to be better than that, would it? I love Patrick Waugh, the goalie. I just don't have much to say about him, the coach, much like Wayne Gretzky, the player, versus Wayne Gretzky, the coach. It, it didn't work. There's something about out-and-out superstars. Very few of them can convert into being coaches. Very few. Come on! Damn it, do what I did! (laughs) Can't you see what's going on out there? No, you idiot! I'm not as good as you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, they view the game at a whole higher level, and you can't take for granted that other people are going to catch up to it. It's like uh, maybe trying to coach a, a... a mite or a squirt hockey team. Why aren't you running this power play the way I want you to? And it's like, well, they kind of don't understand that stuff yet. <laughs> but it's a good thing, good thing for Colorado. I don't think it's going to do much for them uh, in, in result-wise in regards to in that division, though. But um, it, it certainly is. It certainly should be better for the, the fans to watch what goes on on the ice, which would be nice. I'm sure those skilled guys aren't complaining. No, I don't think I've heard a, a quote or anything coming out saying it's disappointing he's gone, but we'll just have to regroup. I don't think anybody said anything. Um, well, anything else around this league? No, I think that's I think that's it. This thing better have fucking recorded this week. I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> it didn't work last week, and then we couldn't find time to record it again until right now, and people are probably like, oh, these lazy assholes aren't recording their podcast, and it's like, well, well, we tried. They're not, they're not wrong. They're not recording it, but they are doing it. We had a great conversation. That's basically all that amounted to. 
You know we could just get there and say it was the greatest podcast of all time and no one could argue. It wasn't, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, by chance, did you uh, catch the Tragically Hips last concert from Australia? That's probably not even on your guys' radar. <laughs> um, I know of them, and I understand that, you know, that's their last concert because the, the lead is, 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 is ill. Um, but that was about all I got, and all my Twitter feed, basically, is... Uh, where I caught it all up. But other than that, yeah, totally out of the ballpark. Yeah, they're one of my more favorite bands. Living in western New York, uh, there's many similarities to southern Ontario. Uh, weather, hockey, and the love for the tragically hip. So it was nice that CBC, they put the whole show live on YouTube. Awesome. I think a third of Canada watched it. It's not bad. That's not Which bad is at all. Pretty good considering Quebec is like I think twenty five percent of Canada's population and they're not really into the hip at all. At least That's from what I read. Awesome. So we had our fantasy football draft at my friend's house and it kinda went till mid concert, but we had it on after it was great. It was perfect. I'll uh Yeah, I'll miss uh not having those tours, so it's a real it's a real bummer when that kind of stuff happens. It has to happen at some stage, you know what I mean? Not not everyone can be the Rolling Stones and just play until oh, they turn into. Speaking stage. of which, I compared the hip as Canada's Rolling Stones and Gord being Canada's Mick Jagger in the blog the other day. I think that's I think that's a fair comparison. Okay, I can think I can understand where you're coming from with that. It's a bit hard for me to sort of get a grasp on it because I've just, you know, I've, I've heard the name, but until I saw, the, you know, the outpouring of um, of enjoyment on Twitter, I had no idea that, you know, where they were in the Pantheon. They're not in the global Pantheon. They're a global talent that just never uh, pursued caring about doing it that way. They, they love their home country, and they did yep. northern U.S., and more specifically, I think Buffalo. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's, it's always the good bands. It's not like Nickelback that this happens to. Not that I'm not that I'm wishing ill health on anybody, which I'm not. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. What you, I know. What you, I know what you're saying. But you know, if anyone's going to have their pants around their feet with something wrong with them, it could be Chad. So. You know, I guess that'll do. I, I thought the concert was awesome. Uh, it was very, it was an emotional concert because you know it's the last time, and Gord had a lot of emotion towards the end of it. So uh, I think um, I think I might throw on a little hip after we're done recording here for for your enjoyment if that's your thing. So I guess uh, till next time, I'm Ryan Wilson. And I'm Cameron Walsh. Thanks for your patience with the uh, missed week there, so thanks. <laughs>
It was as though I'd been spent here, settled in into the pocket of a lighthouse on some rocky socket on the coast of France, dear. This is not a hockey song. <laughs> <laughs>